good chef. Nope. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Why the f*** do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Um, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, Matt, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Ditka versus the Hurricane, who would win? Ditka, Ditka. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the Hurricane is Hurricane Ditka. Here they are. Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. It is Thursday. It's been a week. It's been a season already. It feels like week 10 or something like that. It is only week three. The Bears play the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we had a. Wait, 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 they have a game this weekend? Are you sure? They do. And we're not even. Well, we'll get into that a little bit later. This is our Thursday preview episode, but we called a, a couple audibles. Uh, one of them you can see is Kevin Fishbane, who is with us today. If you're watching live on YouTube, um, that's the other audible is we decided to go live today. There's a lot going on. Uh, I have a feeling things can change on the fly even today, possibly. So made sense to go live and discuss all this uh, and it, we usually would have a guest on from the opponent. We actually had Nate Taylor booked and decided, you know what? Does anyone really care that they're playing the Chiefs this week? Do we need a full breakdown of how good Patrick Mahomes is? I don't. I think people know that. So, given what happened yesterday, we're going to spend the first half of this pod focused more on the events of the day, what could possibly happen the rest of this week, and then we will get into our normal predictions, over unders, all the fun stuff a little bit later on. Um, but welcome to everybody being in here. We appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter at Hogan Johns. All the reporting that these guys have done on the athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. And of course, go to HoganJohns.com for all the merch. If you dare wear merch uh, right now, I think John still has it on. Well, football. football. It'd be nice. Works to, for everything. It'd be nice to talk football, actual football. But well, maybe we'll get into some of it. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I thought this entire podcast was going to be about what's going on with Nathan Peterman. Yeah, well, that was a new one. What's the explanation on that? that we know uh, Wednesday resigned Thursday. Should that be the first question to Luke Getze on Thursday? As like with everything building up to the Getze press conference we're going to get in two hours from when we're recording, should I just jump in and before anybody could ask him about Justin Fields, just go right in. Luke, you got to fill us in on Nathan Peterman. What is the deal there? How many cans of squirt do you think he's going to set up to build a barrier between us and him? He might just build a whole wall today so no one can squirt, see him. Cases of squirt. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, All right. As of right now, it is, what, 8.39, 8.40 on Thursday morning. Luke Getze is the highest-ranking member of the organization scheduled to talk today, I believe. Um, Richard Hightower scheduled, and then some players later on in the locker room. Uh, it'll be an interesting day. What did you... I don't know. Do we want to talk Alan Williams or Justin Fields first? Or Nathan Peterman? Or Braxton Jones. Or Braxton Jones. We have to start with Fields. Yeah. They okay. All right. So just in case anyone has not heard this. Yeah. At this just point, in case you live underneath a rock buried yeah. 20 feet below ground. Yeah. But, you know, Justin did come back after practice yesterday. He wants everyone to hear the full context. So let's uh, let's do that before we have the uh, conversation. Um, but here was Justin Fields first talking about his own play. What's he want? What he wants to do better this week. Things that I didn't like, I felt like, you know, I wasn't necessarily playing my game. Uh, felt like I was kind of robotic and, you know, not just not 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 playing like myself. So, um, you know, um, my goal this week is just to, you know, say effort and just go out there and you know play football how I know how to play football. And um, that's not uh, that includes uh, thinking less and just going out there and, you know, uh, playing off of instincts rather than just of, you know, so much, so to say, info in my head, data in my head, and literally just going out there playing football. I mean, just going back to what's a game, um, and, and, and that's it, because that's when, you know, I play my best is I'm just out there playing free and uh, being myself. So um, I'm going to say kind of just bump all the, you know, the, you know, what I should do, what I uh, 
this and that, like pocket stuff. Like I'm gonna go out there and be me. So, um, yeah. Next question was from Pat Finley who asked, what's that look like when you're playing that way? He said, you're going to see. And then the next question was from Courtney Cronin about what's causing you to overthink. What do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much? Um, you know, could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching, um, I think. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it, you know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me, you know, what to look at and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I you know, can't be thinking about that when the game comes. I prepare myself throughout the week. And then when the game comes, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and, you know, playing more. So there you have it. Go ahead, Johns. So my initial reaction was I was watching, I was working on, a, on another film story at home. I'm watching this on YouTube and I'm like, wow, did he just say coaching? I think I instantaneously texted that to Kevin. He just said coaching. Yeah. I know what he said later in the locker room, but guys, like my thoughts on that, if that's your answer, you can't take that back. You're not allowed to do that. You, you said coaching. You can't take what you said back, even if you're trying to give us more context and how you're feeling. You said coaching. That was making you play slower. That was making you play robotic. I understand his frustration. I really, really do. But you cannot take that back later in the locker room when it gets out that your coaching frustrations, your frustrations over coaching are now out there. You can't take it back. I honestly thought, too, that it was premeditated like that. He it it seemed like he came in there with like a purpose that I'm I'm going to play this way. The coaching is causing me to overthink. And then the third part of that, though, which is maybe where he's coming from with his frustration later with how things were framed. I, I actually think in this situation that nothing was taken out of context. That's my personal feelings on it. But every conversation we had yesterday on CHGO as we were reacting to this live both before, or both right after this press conference and then later on a second episode when the Alan Williams stuff happened once, once Justin talked in the locker room. I was giving him credit for not only seeing what everyone can see with their own eyes, but also taking ownership of it too. Like I thought he did that as well. Like at the end of the day, like they're giving me all this information, but it's up to me with the ball in my hands to take that information and then decide what to do with it. So I thought he respectfully, yes, he called out the coaching, but he did so respectfully and took ownership at the same time. I found nothing wrong with what he said. I thought it was exactly what needed to be said. It encouraged me that he said it. And honestly, the fact that he came back a few hours later and walked it back almost made me a little disappointed because I'm like, oh, no, someone's in his head again. Like, this is this is exactly what we're talking about here. Just go out and play. Stop worrying about everything. I still had some level of surprise that he said it. It is week freaking three. Yeah. That's it. It's week three. But I get that this is this goes back 12 straight losses, right? This goes way back in, in, into last year. I thought of Mitch Trubisky. I, I thought of how when Mitch got to this point, he had already been benched. He already been to, to hell and back with Matt Nagy. Like this was him stating his case. Like this feels like when you, you said, said not this point in his career, but this point of like talking outwardly the way talking just, outwardly yeah. like this was that was like, year four and all that stuff had happened with Nick Foles. Yes. Yes. Like that was all in the past. Mitch was comfortable coming out and, and speaking out a bit. Even though I feel like there were some passive aggressive comments made much earlier in that in his stint as Bears quarterback, but yeah, I don't know. Kev, what do you think? Well, as the one member of this podcast who was there yesterday, no big deal. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> um, I agree with Hogue. I, I think that that was Justin Fields is Justin Fields is smart. Okay. Like he he knew what he was doing yesterday is my perception. He knew that he was going to be the first member of the organization to talk to the media. He was talking a full day before Luke Getze. He's going to be talking before Matt Eberflus. He was going to be the one that could set the narrative about what's going on wrong with this offense. And you, you, got, you guys will say, he did put a lot on him. He said, everybody in this room knows I need to play better, including myself. 
And I always give Justin Fields credit for this because in this city, when you're at least before week one, if you said anything critical about Justin Fields, like pitchforks came. Okay. And I always point out the number one most critical person of Justin Fields is Justin Fields. He always knows when he needs to play better. And he's always the first one to say it. So I think he knew what he was doing. I think that the pro I think, and this is, and we can get into this with the Alan Williams conversation, because this is really where this took off. We all need to do uh, talk a little media literacy. Okay. And I understand in this era, like what happens on Twitter. Like I get it, but trust the people who are, I almost said in the building, but you guys weren't there and I still trust the two of you, but like you should know who to trust if you're a Bears fan when it comes to chronicling what's going on. And I think everybody who is there, you know, we all heard what we heard and we tweeted and we wrote and it went on. What happens is other people take it and you get these salacious headlines. And I think he probably saw some kind of headline that was like, Justin Fields putting all the blame on the coaches, which is not what he said, but that's how these things get spun these days. And, and it probably wasn't from anybody there. Um, so I get, I, I think the most, I actually think the most interesting thing he said that kind of crystallized it all was his, the last question when he was asked about the strip sack, he says, he, he was like that. That's it. That was the play because he goes, normally I'm gone. My internal yeah. clock is off and I've taken off and running. You guys both like broke down this play. You all, we have, everybody saw it, but he's like sitting there being like, they want me to work in the pocket. I'm supposed to go through my reads. I got to trust everything around me. Like that was the perfect play to show what is wrong with this thing. Um, and my question for you guys is, you know, I know we joke it's only week three, but why did it take until now for this to come up? We yeah, are. Were- are they telling him not to run? Like this is like the That's- Trubisky conversation all over again, right? Where Matt Nagy was repeatedly asked, "Why is Mitch not running? Are you telling him not to run?" And Matt Nagy would be like, "No, I'm yeah. not." Well, here's the thing: Justin Fields, for all his great running last year. They didn't win. Yeah. Like they didn't win any games. Now that's not Justin Fields' fault. We all know why they didn't win any games. But like I, I think that there is a, a very understandable sense that you cannot win in this league with a running quarterback, a run first quarterback, if you will. You have to throw the ball away. Like the best running quarterbacks are gr- Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, their passing numbers are significantly better than Justin Fields. The coaches know that. Personnel office knows it. Justin Fields knows it. Like they have to pass to win. But if 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 they can't do that successfully, you have to figure out a way to use his legs to your advantage. Like you can win with him. You have to just figure out a way to do it. So I think it's important to remember some of the film from week one against the Packers. And so when this idea that he would they're telling him not to run, I think I think the coaching point on some of the film after the Packers game was there were some plays where he picked up seven, eight yards with his legs scrambling, but there was a wide open guy he could have thrown to for 15 or 20 if he had kept his eyes downfield. He said that so, himself. Right. So, but that's what I'm trying to explain where I think there was a, uh, there's a couple overcorrections here. One, I think in the micro, there was an overcorrection from week one to week two, which was, dude, you got to hang in there and throw the ball. You, you're, you don't scramble for seven if you can still hit 20. You know what I mean? And, and I think that that probably led to like that play that he's talking about where usually I would just be running at that point and instead it's a fumble and it's a turnover. I think the larger overcorrection here, which brings me back to comments like this. What a waste of time training camp was, guys. The overcorrection from last season that I feel like has been going on all off season, which is like everybody seemed to be on the same page that they, that he had to be more of a pocket passer or be a more efficient passer. Justin himself included. Right. All of them, all of them. But it didn't mean that they had to turn him into Tom Brady overnight. Like keep doing what he does well and slowly sprinkle in 
more of the pocket improvement. Everything we saw in camp, everything we saw in preseason, which, by the way, I still don't think he played enough if this was how hard of a shift they were going to make once they got to the Packers and Bucks games. They just took they took away too much of what he did well last season, in my opinion. It's been too much of an overcorrection, and I think that there's there was too much information. I think Justin fell into the trap, too, because he himself was saying, I got to run less. I don't want to run for 1,000 yards next year. Right. All that stuff. He was saying he wanted to pass for 4,000. Yeah. Which again goes back to the, he did say that, which again goes back to him taking ownership yesterday, too. And basically, I, this seemed like a big realization that, like, I, I got, I can't take, I still got to be me. I still got to just go out there and play football, like backyard football sometimes. So, is because that real- I have these God given talents. So, there's some nuance to that. So, is that realization? That I cannot read that cover three beater consistently enough. Is that is that what it is? Maybe like is is that what we're getting to? Because now we're gonna at least right I, now he can't. I, this is we've been down this road before. This is coaches. This is Mark Tressman. This is John Fox. This is Matt Nagy saying we have to simplify things to play faster. Is it not? And yep. then what's the criticism that comes after that? Oh, because the quarterback can't do everything you want. The quarterback is incapable of doing certain things. And I get you got to tune things to the quarterback's strengths. But this is the the pendulum to this, right? The, you know, like if, if they'll oversimplify things now, which is fine. I get it. Like, look at the Bucks' offense. That is very o- oversimplified for Baker Mayfield. Sometimes you got max protect to read football. That's what the Bears did last year. We had Nate Tice on the show last year for, for, the, for talking about Justin Fields. A lot of it. I guess one read and go. That's what I'm that saying. What we're like, back to. Well, but I think that's. I guess my point is, I think that's where they should have started with, and then slowly added to it. See that, that and yeah. and that's like in 2019. Because again, I think the Mitch comps, not like Mitch and Justin as players necessarily, but like what is going on right now. Like in 2019, if they had realized, if they had entered 2019 training camp and said, "This is who Mitch Trubisky is." Let's not make him anything he's not and installed a simplified offense. I think 2019 goes a lot differently, right? But they figured it out in week 10. It was too late. And and they keep they kept messing with it. Now they at least maybe discover this thing in week. I still don't think it should have taken this long, but maybe they discover it now. And look, there are there are schools of thought that if you're a quarterback, you can either like read the defenses or you can't. You can either sit in the pocket and go through your reads and go and figure out what they're doing and make the plays or you can't. Like, it's not, it's hard to, like, there's a school of thought that you can't necessarily learn that. I think we all know what Justin Fields is capable as a passer physically. And I think we all know he's very smart. He's a hard worker. But some guys can just do it and some other guys, it's just not their strength. And I, I it's possible it was never going to be his strength. It might never be. I'm not to say he's never going to be able to do it, but, like, that's just... It's possible. Like this is just who he is, and that's okay. You just have to figure out how to make it work because you can't. You can't waste somebody who can throw the ball like he can and who can run like he can. And through two weeks, they were wasting it. I just think for two and a half hours yesterday, Justin Fields had won everyone back. Is that how you guys felt? I mean, Kev, you were there. Like I, I from from being in a position where we were doing a live show right after he said what he said to having Brian Baldinger on our show yesterday to just reading the room. Sometimes on social media that can be wrong, but like it seemed like everybody's reaction was like, fuck yes, Justin. Like, yes. Like I actually want to well, see this game Sunday against well, the chiefs. Like every, what's he going to do? But those who work inside Hallis hall, right? This well, is like that, airing dirty laundry that you don't want. I think that's what surprised me. Like look, look at Kyle yeah. Long's video reaction. Like it was, these are things you want to keep internally for as long as possible. I think that's the thing, too, is that like, yeah, Hogue, I think we all had the real it's like it's I mean, it's a little selfish, but we're all like, this is great content. This is great content. I mean, think yeah. about just think about what Justin Fields is sometimes like after a loss or when things are going poorly. He doesn't give us anything. And he came. He walked right in there and and was honest and open and, and, and critical of himself and critical of what's going on. It was great. And, and that's what we ask for of these guys. But you look at it from the team perspective. Like, you know, that's like, let's put it this way. I can't imagine anybody on the Bears said to Fields like, oh, yeah, you know what? Go ahead and like, go tell everybody this. This is be good. This will this will ignite everything. 
You know, because that's again, that's not because because then Fields has to go apologize to the coaches, and then he has to go do the locker room thing. Nobody in the building wants to go through all that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the pulse is in there, but if I was a player, I, honestly, if I was one of his teammates, I would have had, I would have been like, "Yes, Justin, good no, for you." I, you I agree. I think like, the players probably are totally on board because the player, everybody, all the players benefit from Fields playing better. Yes, right? yes. Now the coaches, I get it. Now, uh, Kevin, let me ask you this: This is kind of inside media room stuff, but. Did did you? Why did Justin talk first instead of flutes? Uh, he talked first last Wednesday too. I think. Oh, did just, he? Yeah, I think he just gets there first. Oh, okay. I yeah. I, I yeah. thought that, that I, I didn't know if that had something to do with just the craziness. No, I, I think he just. I think he just. But again, that's what I had to said earlier. Is like he knows he got there first. You know, I, I think that he he like I had I had people in the league kind of who like I'm sure you guys too were getting texts all day from people around the league being like, what is going on there? I did have somebody, I did have somebody say like, he, he knows that he can, he can set the tone. Like this was, you know, calculate might be like a strong term because it's not like it calculate sometimes has a negative connotation. I think like he just, I I think he knew what he was doing. I just think he didn't like the way he didn't. I'm guessing he didn't want to be portrayed as someone throwing the coaches under the bus. Yeah. Which he, how he is talking about like turning off the TVs in Hallis Hall. Like, get up was on my TV this morning, and instead of going to another subject, there, Mike Greenberg stuck with this topic because the debate was so good, right? This, it's not just a local conversation anymore. Like, oh, this you, is national news. When, when you start mentioning coaching, like, this. This, this is what I mean about not taking it back. Not like you have to carry these comments now for the rest of the season. Like everything will be held to these comments for a while, good and bad. You know, if you fail, maybe need more coaching. If you start to succeed, maybe Justin Fields is right. Like this press conference is going to linger for a bit now. We know how this plays out. We know when hey, quarterbacks you, are talking this way. We know what happens. Do you guys remember? Uh, I'm going way back in machine here. 2017, there was like a press conference with Dow Loggins about how Tariq Cohen was like, like, what are you doing with Tariq Cohen? Why? Like, he's clearly the best player on your offense. Like, what is going on? Dow was very defensive. Like the next game, Tariq Cohen got 20 touches. Right. <laughs> and then I remember 2019. We're like, Matt, like, what is this? Like, what are you guys doing here? Yeah, then I didn't come here to run the I formation, and then they came out and they ran the I formation. They go against the Chargers, and it was like something we'd never seen before. And and sometimes these coaches, like, you know, not that they they all say that they are insulated and they don't care about what we think, but like I'm just curious what this thing's going to look like on Sunday. I mean, if there's going to be this just uber overreaction, and maybe it's going to be good, <laughs> it's just going to be you know bootlegs and quick first reads and getting fields in the move. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just kind of fascinated to see what how Luke Getzey is going to respond to this. Like, I think uh, Luke Getzey's a little bit more. By the way, I think he's a little bit more level headed than the previous guys I just mentioned. So I'm yeah. not sure as much, this things can get crazy, but I am very fascinated by what it's going to look like in Kansas City. So here's the question I have for you guys: What does a less robotic, more free playing Justin Fields look like to you guys? Like, what what do you think we get? Confidence. But how? Like, what are they going to do schematically? He, the, Luke Getzey still has to call plays in. Like, what are we? Yeah. Like, what I are know, we getting? At? I, I always and I've said this before. I always feel like Justin Fields plays better when he's got that swagger going. When you see him pick up ten yards on a rush, he slides with his slide that I still think can be better, and he signals a first down, and you see him get kind of juiced up, and all of a sudden the next play is a twenty yard completion downfield like that's where sometimes we make this game too complicated and i and and people don't want to hear that simple's better sometimes simple means he can't process simple means he's not smart enough all this stuff like sometimes simple means you know what you're doing and you're just playing more confident and i think any player playing more confident plays faster and in the nfl you have to play faster you guys, um, we talked about the film review I did with Fields a few weeks ago on the show, and that touchdown run against the Packers, I feel like is a good example of this because when I watched that play with Luke Getzey, 
he kind of pointed to Dante Pettis. He goes, this is the sh- this is the throw you'd like Justin to make. He should, once he knows the cornerback is blitzing, Pettis kind of peaks. And he's right there, ripped that throw. It's an eight-yard gain. You know, instead, Fields jukes out the corner and takes off. And it's a 55-yard touchdown run. And when I asked Fields about it, you know, he said, for he explained, he goes, look, I'm not going to make that throw because the way this guy is in my passing lane and he goes, we adjusted it. So it'll be a little bit easier, but he said, he goes, this is where instincts take over. Like, and, and that's a perfect situation where like it's get, it's gets to backyard football. And that's, you know, where he makes these plays like in his mind, it's like, yeah, the coaches want me to rip this peak because that's what I'm supposed to do when there's the hot, when there's a blitz, he's the hot read and I should go to it. But this guy's in my face. I know I can juke him out and I can take off. And like you should be okay with him thinking like that, letting letting his instincts take over. So after here are his stats after the New England game, because that's like the game where they change, right? Week yep. seven at New England, Bears win thirty three fourteen. Surprised Bill Belichick. Belichick's on record saying he was surprised about by what the Bears did offensively, right? Um, let me remind you, the Bears have not won since then. He has completed 63.7% of his passes for nearly 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, five interceptions, a 93.1 passer rating, 28 sacks. Here's the big numbers. 92 rushes for 779 yards and six touchdowns. So it was that, that type of balance. I don't know if you want to call it balance, but is that what we're going to get? Scramble City? Well, I, I do think I, I do think that his that the scrambles are probably the best way for him to run the ball right now because you guys saw what Tampa and Green Bay did with their edges. Like they're not these guys are not gonna let him get outside. And they're gonna say, give the ball to Cleo Herbert. Go ahead. Like we're fine. We just don't want you taking off. And so that they're gonna have to figure if they're gonna have design runs for him, they're gonna have to figure out how to counter that. Well, which again, fine. If you're the offensive coordinator, then run the ball. Where's the outside right. zone? Where's all this stuff that we know works? We know they can run the ball. I mean, that's the other part of this that I just don't understand. I mean, unless Justin's up there checking out all these runs. I actually had a story I was working on yesterday, Hogue, about the struggling run game, and then everything went... (laughs) So you'll never be able to see that story, at least until next week. That reminds me, I still need those five video clips. (laughs) Do you... You always, on this show, have try to take people inside, you know, a peek behind our own lives too, a little bit. Like, do you ever just wake up? Be like, what if I covered the Bengals? (laughs) (laughs) Or or what if I covered the chiefs? It's just, it's never, it's never dull, but it's also, they haven't won a game in 11 months. That's what I mean. Like, did you guys I also get what have everybody's like, saying, but they haven't won football in a long time. Did you guys I mentioned having like league sources reach out? How many like friends and family members texted you yesterday? <laughs> oh my God. I I said this to my wife late last night. I'm like, I think everybody in the world I know has texted me at some point today. Yeah. I had a friend at like midnight who does not know anything about sports, sends me like a TikTok about Alan Williams, where like my tweet was in there, and she's like, So what's going on here? <laughs> I mean, it's it was, also amazing how many people believe the Charles Tillman uh, rated house oh hall thing. Like that's what I was getting the most text about. I feel like so you know that happened when we <laughs> he made right, Eberflus cry right <laughs> after <laughs> Justin Fields talked in the locker room was when that stuff started circulating. So like oh, in the man. locker room, every reporter is just staring at our phones because we just got this Justin Fields like double back, and then we're getting texts from everybody being like what is this what is this yeah again media literacy folks like trust your sources trust trust the people who are you know i i I hesitate to say credentialed media because i understand that sounds a little elitist but like you know there are certain people that you can trust but there's a reason why there's a process for who is credentials that's the whole point of that in this business i i've been covering professional sports for nearly 16 years the amount of rumors you hear, like any given season, even like the the, the least 
conflict-filled seasons, there's always some random rumors, like salacious rumors, because you know everybody loves dirty laundry. You got to check that stuff out. Some of it's not true. It, most of it's not true. This is going back to like my Blackhawks days, days where I filled in on the Cubs and Sox. Like you always hear rumors, but they know where you're getting your information from. There's yeah. my media rant. All right. In terms of Allen Williams, I think we spin this forward at this point to what the hell happens with the defense this week. I mean, unless you guys have heard otherwise, most of my understanding is that the players have mostly been in the dark too about this stuff. And I don't know when exactly Allen Williams resigned or when that was, you know, communicated to the players or whatever, but this is still, regardless of the timing of everything, I, I, I imagine there's got to be some level of shell shock in that locker room with those defensive players and well, some confusion over like, okay, where do we go from here? Is John Hoke promoted? Eberflus is clearly calling the plays going forward, but like, how do responsibilities get there? You can't just have a coordinator leave and think that there's enough day uh, hours in the day, minutes in the day, to like make this all work without it being at least a little bit of a problem. I would imagine that today started at Hallis Hall. I would hope it started today at Hallis Hall with a full team meeting. Even more than that, a whole office meeting, like a whole building meeting of everybody where you, you need to have Kevin Warren address the team. You, you need Matt Eberflus to address the team, like especially his players to give them some certainty to, to clarify certain issues to tell them where things are moving forward. Like I would hope today, Thursday started that way when players started to go to Hallis Hall around seven in the morning. What, what real quickly, what, what does Ozzie Gann say? Good teams win, bad teams have meetings. Yeah. I think it's good teams win, great teams cover. Okay. Then. <laughs> Bears are 12 and a half point underdogs, by the way, biggest spread they've faced since 2017. I bring that up very quickly. Because think about how bad the Bears were during their losing streak in 2019, during their losing streak in 2020, during their horrible 2021 season, during the year they were the worst team in football last year, and they've never faced a spread this big since the John Fox era. Wow. How good. I'm sorry, John. You were saying team meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Clarify things, you know, like Jaquan Brisker is on record last week, Friday, saying, oh, we knew Wednesday, since Wednesday, that Matt Eberflus Eberflus is going to call the defense. But that was just like that that one week. I don't think they knew what was going to, how much it was going to carry over into into this week. Is what you're, in terms of what you're saying, in terms of players not knowing what's what's going on. Well, I I know Jalen Johnson was on the score Monday and he, it's like, you know, as much as me. And it didn't seem like uh, I'm trying to dodge the question answer. It seemed like almost some frustration in his voice when he said it. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't I think when it comes to Al Williams, I don't I think that there are very, very, very few people in the building who know what's going on. Yeah, I think so, you're talking about two different things here. Like when did they know Maddie Bufluis was calling the plays? I think some players knew last week, but in terms of the full Allen Williams. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not sure Monday they knew Allen Williams wasn't going to be there anymore. We're talking about this week. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah it carried over into this week. Yes. So, I, I, I kinda, again, like, how did they make this work? Well, does somebody get the, like, perfunctory title as defensive corner just to, like, run meetings? But, like, Felus is still... It was funny talking to some of the guys in the locker room after the Tampa game. I was in the defensive locker room. Like, you know, Demarcus Walker said, Felus brought the juice. You know, Jalen Johnson said, like, he noticed, like, Eber Felus kind of in his, um, in his element, if you will, uh, calling plays. And... Like the results weren't good, but the pressure percentage was much higher. I'm sure you guys already touched on this this week. So like, there's like an inch. I've like like a curiosity of like what this thing could look like with Flus taking control. I mean, this is this is his specialty. I agree with that. I thought it was called differently. Um, I liked how it was called, and on that side of the ball, I put more of the blame honestly Sunday on the players just not making plays. Yannick Ngakwe, you're here to sack the quarterback when you got Baker Mayfield in your arms you have to get him down uh, multiple footballs that were this close to being takeaways they have to be takeaways 
Like at some point, players need to make plays. I am very interested to see where this goes going forward. But considering everything that was going on behind the scenes last week with almost no notice, right? Just a few days, them adjusting to what was going on with Alan Williams and having to kind of have Floosh just call the plays on the fly. I thought it was somewhat encouraging. They actually did a good job containing the boot game. Speaking of like containing a simplified offense, Matty Bufluss' defense kind of did that against Baker Mayfield. So the, the boot game wasn't a lot out of the pocket. When he did, it was because of a missed sack and a scramble. He blitzed a little bit more, at least on certain situations, especially earlier in the game when it was third and whatever. But Floosh should stick with it. He's got to take control of this team in a sense. Stick with well, it. Yeah, I, I, but I think, yes, I think he calls the defense, but it would make sense to still have somebody have the defensive coordinator. Like, for instance, doesn't somebody have to give the defense coordinator press conference every week? Like, when Matt Nagy called the plays on offense, we still talk to Mark Helfrich and Bill Lazor every week. So, so, so Flusi has to add a day in his uh, calendar for us? Well, or John Hoke, who's the passing game coordinator on defense. Like, does he just get that title added to his plate, even though he's not calling the plays? I mean, I have to imagine there's some type of adjustment. I don't know. Uh, Kevin has to go. So You want to stay for three big questions? I'll stay for one question. Okay, one question. One okay. big question. One big question with Kevin Fishbane. Question one. What do you think Kevin Warren is thinking about his team right now? <laughs> Serious. I think what do you think Kevin Warren is thinking about the team that he's in charge of? I think he's thinking about the 2014 Big Ten he could be running. No. Um, I think he's getting maybe a wake-up call that this job is... This is the job. (laughs) One of those, I knew what I signed up for moments, but oh crap, this is more than I thought. Well, look, how many of these moments have we had though, covering this team? And it's always, was always, how is Ted Phillips going to respond? Have we gotten the quarterback situation completely right? No. Have we won enough games? No. Everything else is there. So I think it's important. This is, I think we're going to learn a lot about Kevin Warren here. You can make an argument Kevin Warren should talk to the media today. So this is a great segue to my column that's up this morning, which is essentially headlined, who's going to save the Bears? Because the point of my column was, like, there's still a lot of time this season to make this thing respectable. You can't really trust the head coach right now. You can't feel good about that situation. You can't feel great about the quarterback situation. You can't feel great about the offensive coordinator. The defensive coordinator resigned. The general manager, I think you could still like feel good about him in the long term. But like the guys right now, two games in, the guys he brought in haven't done what he wanted them to do. Kevin, and you certainly can't expect George McCaskey to save this thing right now when you look at his track record. Like Kevin Warren's the one guy who has fresh eyes in this entire thing. It's what he's been doing since April. He's been talking to everyone in the building. He's trying to see how this building operates and how he can make it more efficient and how he can turn them into a winning organization. He's like the only one. And I'm not saying he's going to fix it. I'm not saying he's going to save it. I'm just saying he's almost by default because he actually has a strong resume that any, and because he hasn't been here, he didn't hire these guys that he's the one guy that you can kind of sit there and say, I hope that, He's going to look at this whole thing. Look at what happened yesterday and be like, this never can happen again. And we need to make sure the right people are in charge and the right people are in position and, and doing things so this doesn't happen again. But so you can read more about had, that at The Athletic. But but yeah, there's a, we have a long story up at The Athletic. I think it ran in the January of 2022 of how this always happens again. I'm kind of building this column out, Kev. Um like if Ooh. Justin Fields fails, this is an organizational failure again. It's because your three most important people in your organization are just never aligned. There's just too much change. Like if you're going, like you can't allow Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace to draft Justin Fields if you're going to fire them after one year. You're not. This is how the cycle continues, right? This is how it 
how it goes on. You know, you can't let Ryan Pace draft Mitch Trubisky if his head coach isn't in on it. Like, this is how it continues. This is why we're here, and it's continuing again. On that happy note, I'll see you guys later at House Hall. See you. Bye, Kevin. Number two. Well, I was going to answer the question, who's going to save the Bears? And Who do you got? Well, I, I think it's a quarterback. Like, if we talk about when these, like, what, what changed with the Bengals? Quarterback. Joe Burrow changed. Like, like that. And, and, but that's the problem with this organization is like, it goes back to the hypothetical. Had they drafted Patrick Mahomes, would Patrick Mahomes be Patrick Mahomes conversation? Or is there some organ, to your point, this organizational failure, would that have even prevented a quarterback of that talent from becoming? What he obviously has in a different, I don't, and, and that's just, I would say maybe yes, man. I, well, I, I think, I think, yeah, but that's my point. I think he would have, and they, they almost need to luck into a quarterback at this point, but clearly that's um, not how things go for the Bears. Nice setup for question number two. Do you think the Bears should gear up their college scouting? Sorry, their scouting of college QBs if they haven't already. Uh, yes, because you have to prepare for all scenarios. And right now, the but we know there's another level of scouting that can occur for teams that are eyeing quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I think the answer is yes. I mean, more more resources need to be put there right now until you feel better about your own quarterback spot. Unless Tyson Bajan's the savior. QB2. Or QB3 again. I'm not sure. Yeah, not anymore. No, Nathan Peterman. They made Nathan Peterman sleep out in the parking lot last night. And now he was welcome back. He got his pass back this morning. (laughs) Number three. What's the next controversy, Adam Hoag? Oh, God. Does this feel like more 2014-ish or 2020-ish to you? Mm. 2014, for those who can't remember, it's the anonymous report of Aaron Cromer ripping Jay Cutler. Aaron Cromer ends up apologizing, a tear-filled apology to his team. Um, Jay Cutler gets benched. Jimmy Clausen gets hurt. Jay Cutler comes back. I kind of remember vividly asking him if he feels like he's played his last game for the Bears. He said yes. Turns out he's going to survive into another regime. That was 2014 for the Bears in a nutshell, but there's a lot more to that as well. What was 2020, though? 2020 would be... Because I think more about 21 when, like, the Thanksgiving week. 2021. Do I have the years mixed up? So 2021 was was Justin Fields' draft year, right? Yeah, that's... That's the Nagy and Pace's last year. Yes, 2020 is the Trubisky. That's the COVID year. Yes, Trubisky benched in Atlanta for Foles. Yeah, Foles plays, Foles stinks. Trubisky comes back with his own offense, with his own input. Bill Lazor is now calling plays. Nobody likes each other in the building. Yeah. You know, there's there's a bunch of feuds in the building. Um, Probably more so that we could detail now, but it's... Combination of both, Adam Hogue? Yeah, it might be its own thing. What's the yeah. next controversy? Um, well, I think what's crucial this week, quite frankly, is that you, if you're going to bring up 2014, that this doesn't turn into giving up. How many points did they give to the Patriots that year? Like 40-something, and then they give up a 50-burger after the bye week to to the Packers. I think we know. I think we're. This is a big game, not because they have a chance to win it, but because are they going to rally together and show signs of fight, or is this going to start to look like when Mark Trestman was standing all by himself at Lambeau Field on the sideline? Over unders. <laughs> oh boy! Speak. You, you're so good at this. It's like you're looking at a sheet or something. <laughs> This is from Bear Down Omaha. How many Mark Tressman meltdown comparisons do we get in the broadcast? Half. Uh, 
I'm actually going to say none. Yeah, I think none. I have this conversation a lot. I think locally, we all remember Mark Tressman and what happened. I think nationally, like most people probably couldn't even remember that Mark Tressman was the head coach of the Bears. So I don't know how much that's going to be at top of mind on the broadcast crew. Okay. Yeah. This is from Adam Hoover. Justin Fields rushing yards, 69 and a half. So Adam this is Hoover yeah. is taking the over. Yeah. I, I want to say the over because just hearing what Justin had to say yesterday, but there is the reality of how defenses are playing him. And like the Bucks weren't letting that happen last week. So, and you also heard him say that yesterday in his press conference, Justin, I was like, Zone reads. I just got to give it right now. So. I'm still going to say the over because this might be one of those games where he busts off like one of those 50, 50 yard runs. Okay. I'm going to say under, but close. Yeah. Which is still a big rushing game for a quarterback. 65, 65 rushing yards or so. This is from Dennis, the obvious one here. References to Justin's coaching comments over or under set of two and a half. I'm going to go over. Yeah, I mean, there'll be a full screen. They might even play the video. Oh, they then, will for sure. Yeah. And then there's going to be moments during the game where who's calling this game? I should know that. But whoever's calling the game will be like, yep, see right there. That's what we're, that's what he was talking about. You know, and he talked about the coaching. So, yeah, I think there's at least three. This is from Christopher and X. That zoom in on Matt Nagy's face after the double doink. Yeah. Boy, things are going rough this week. I don't think that comes We forgot up. about the Matt Nagy revenge game angle here. Yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. It. I think you get it. I think you get it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I did. Yeah, they're gonna, Matt Nagy's going to be a storyline in this game for sure. Yeah, absolutely. How could There's going to be lots that? of shots of Matt Nagy. What's the yes. over-under and just shots of Matt Nagy? Oh, what? He's I already on the screen a lot because most of the time he, they show Patrick Mahomes yeah. on the sideline. Nagy's right there. I would say like 12, 13 and a half. Yeah. That, that high. I agree. How many shots on the sidelines do we get of Luke Getze and Justin Fields this week? It's going to be just as high. Maybe 15 and a half. Well, and that might be the next controversy to go back to your question. Because remember when the cameras picked up like Nick Foles yelling at Matt Nagy? Like basically saying, and, or, and then there was the other one in Cleveland where this offense, he, work. This offense isn't working. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, I want to say it's kind of interesting on the sidelines because a lot of the clips that we get of Fields, it's either of him not looking at the iPad or him. Remember he was doing that breathing technique? What was that two years ago? But well, it was last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Remember that storyline? Yeah, I do. Yeah. You're right. That that's the next controversy. Something caught on camera Sunday. On the sidelines. Yeah. That we're asking about post game or Monday. hundred percent. That's it. Let's have a little fun. This is from Matthew. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey mentions 13 and a half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like I like where we went with this one, but maybe a more realistic number. You know what you're uh, gonna get is like after a Kelsey touchdown and they're doing like the outro to the commercial, a Taylor Swift song. Like if, if you're producing, uh, that's good. If you're listening. There, there's a little tip for you. We're Keep counting that as a mention. If there's a Taylor Swift bump, is she going to these games now? My wife said like she was at the game last week at Jacksonville, but I don't. I trust her more than my own reporting on that type of stuff. Because remember, like when Erlacher was dating Paris Hilton, like there would be shots of her in the at Soldier the Field suites all the time. Yeah, yeah. Kristen Cavallari was always being captured by cameras. I should say. Good times. Okay. Way nice. to call your shot, Travis. It's good. It's a good football player too. Yeah. Very good. All right. I guess we should get into these picks. Um, Bears at Chiefs. 12 and a half point underdogs, 325 on Fox. Should we start with this? Cold predictions. 
you're going to do it, aren't you? I, I'm trying to make this bold. I'm just going to say that the Bears, it's not, is it? I'm going to, I don't think it's bold enough to say the Bears get one takeaway. So two, do I have to say two to make it bold? They were close. Jaquan Brisker dropped an interception. Jalen Johnson had a great peanut punch that literally bounced back into the backfield to Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I mean, I saw this this, you know, with my college team. They first two games, no takeaways, and then last week they picked off the quarterback five times. I think they had six total. So sometimes that happens. It's like all of a sudden they come in bunches. I don't know if this is the best week for that against the Chiefs. But this is still a very inexperienced receiving core uh, that Patrick Mahomes is throwing to. There have been some sort of effort throws that have been picked off. There's one last week. So I'm going to, okay, Bears two takeaways in this game. Bold prediction. Here's mine. Two sacks. Man. Two. These shouldn't be bold, but apparently they are. Here's my Uh, prediction. Bears will cover. Uh, one thing we're forgetting is how injured they are. Eddie Jackson, Braxton Jones, your starting left tackle. It's now out for four games. Lucas Patrick is still your starting center. It's a problem. It's yeah. a problem. Darnell Mooney hurt. It's a problem. So as fired up as we all are to see what Justin Fields is going to do because of everything he said this week. The Bears are still a pretty beat-up team. So I am taking them to lose, maybe with a backdoor cover at the end. Wow. So you got them covering. 12 and a half is a lot of points. Let's let's say 27. I'm trying to do the math in my head. 27-17. Same score as last week. I just don't like the vibes. We've seen this play out before. It they're, they're hitting every Bears bingo spot uh, right now. You tried to be so positive earlier in this podcast, I felt. Well, I just think this can go one or two ways, and I unfortunately we've covered this. Uh, it'd be great if it went the good way, but I think this is a, uh, the other part of this too is from the Chiefs' perspective. This feels like a get-right game. They're too talented on offense. They sh- they should be scoring more points than they they do or they have the last couple weeks. Um, Kelsey's going to be one game healthier. There's the naggy revenge side of this as well. (laughs) That, that would be a good over under how many of the talking me out of my cover. How many, I'm going to set this over under how many of the bears Trick plays that Nagy ran. Most most of them were in 18, 2018. Do the Chiefs run in this game? I think it goes over. I'm going to set it at a half, and I think they run. Like, I think they run Santa's sleigh or something. Like the exact play. Um, t- uh, yes. They're going to dig in. He's going to go into his binder on his little, uh, you know, bookshelf, pull out the 2018 playbook, and be like. Like this? Yeah. Remember Santa's sleigh, fridge left, whatever. Oh, Chris Jones would be nice there. Oh, I, I, anyway, my boy. prediction, I, I think they get right. I think the Chiefs score 38 points. I think the Bears offense uh, still, they get their two touchdowns again, but it's it's going to be somewhat of a slog with Chris Jones trying to block. The, Braxton Jones, man, that's that's a loss. That's scary. So I, I think I'm gonna change my. I'm gonna say thirty. That sorry, I'm stealing your thunder again. Go ahead. Thirty-eight seventeen, Chiefs. Thirty-eight seven. Thirty-eight seventeen. I'm gonna say thirty to twenty with a backdoor cover coming with a mid fourth quarter touchdown for the Bears when the game is clearly out of hand or in hand for the Chiefs. Okay. All right, we gotta get rolling here. I think we Let's haven't go. won enough under the leadership of George McCaskey, and that's what we're working on. Noon, Fox Falcons at Lions. Lions three and a half point home favorites. I'm taking the Falcons. Wow. Bijan okay. Robinson. Bijan's good. 
Uh, Desmond Ritter, I am not a believer quite yet. I think the Falcons are well coached, though. Um, last week had just week two correction written all over it with the Lions coming off that win over the Chiefs, the Seahawks coming off that big loss to the Rams. I think same thing here. I think the Chiefs get, or I'm sorry, the Lions get back on track. I wish this was like two and a half, not three and a half. It's kind of a leap, but um, yeah, that's too much for me with the hook over the three. I'll, I'll take the Falcons to cover in a close game, but the Lions win. Okay. And improve the two and one. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley? Also noon on Fox Saints at Packers. Packers two point home favorites here. Uh, give me the Packers by a field goal. They cover and win. I agree. First home game of the year for them. Um, they should have won that game last week and they didn't. But I think going back home, the Saints are they're fine, but they're not great. So. I think I think the Packers cover covered the two here. I agree. Chris, uh Matt Nagy's always been kind of the past half full kind of guy. <laughs> Still okay. one of the greatest ones of all time. Fox <laughs> Noon, Chargers at Vikings. This is a pick'em. Kevin O'Connell versus Brandon Staley. Kirk Cousins. Oh God. Come on. Uh, uh, Kirk Cousins is not the best quarterback in this game. I know. Justin Herbert is. But the Vikings. Justin Herbert's not winning baseball games, football games. And the Vikings are the best player in the game, Justin Jefferson. I'll pick the Chargers to win. Vikings go to 0 3. You know, we're trying to expand his package. Has he struggled with expanding his package? CBS 305 Panthers at Seahawks. Seahawks, six-point home favorites here. First pick watch. Um, I'm going to go Panthers to cover Seahawks win. First pick continues to look good for the Bears. Yeah, I think that the Seahawks got back on track. I The Panthers' defense is tricky. Good enough to maybe keep this within the touchdown, but short week for the Panthers having to fly out all the way out west. Um, tough situation for a team that's not very good. I think Bryce Young's banged up too. I'm going to take the Seahawks to cover. Anyway, uh, who cares? Monday night. I think we have another Monday night doubleheader. It is. There weren't it's a lot like of great, like in terms of intriguing games this, this week. They're just. At least in my opinion. I liked how they had those staggered, though, where like when the first game ended, it was like the second half of the second game was starting. It was really well-timed. Enjoyed there's that. A one, there's a one-hour separation in these two. Yeah. Um, 7-15 Monday night, the Rams go on the road. They play the Bengals, who are favored by two points. Joe Burrow's status definitely in doubt. I feel like he's not going to play. Um. Got to find a way to win a game, though. It's still a good Bengals team. Can't go to 0-3. It's a hard one to call. The Rams yeah. have been competitive. You don't like seeing your starting quarterback on the sideline using the massage gun on his, on his calf? Never good, especially yeah. when paying that much money, Joe Burrow. But feels like this is a game Monday night. Everybody's watching. Joe Burrow looks like Joe Burrow. Injury and all. Give me the Bengals by a touchdown. Good game, though. Zach Taylor also going up against uh, Sean McVay. He used to be on that coaching staff. Uh, of course, this was a rematch of the Super Bowl a couple years ago, too. Um, Burrow, can I say if Burrow plays, I have the Bengals. If he doesn't, I got the Rams. I guess so. I mean, that's pretty damn important. One of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going to make it hard. Our guy, Nick, that always tracks these picks. Uh, you're going to have to sort that one out based on oh, yeah. if Joe, Joe plays or not. So thank you, Nick. My lock of the week is the Packers. Ooh. Why don't you just move up? To, just go no. take Schneidman's job <laughs> and cover the Packers. Cover a winning team? I don't know what I would do with myself. 
You know you. You know you want to. Not true. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Do I have a lock? The the Chiefs. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. That's a big spread in the NFL, though. Twelve and a half points. It is. All right. Well, what will today bring us? We're on our way to Hellas Hall. We will find out. Thanks for everybody being here, watching live on YouTube. And uh, if you're listening to the Old Fashioned Ways podcast, we appreciate you as well. Go to HoganJohns.com. You can find all of our merch there. You can follow us on Twitter at HoganJohns, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. And uh, we appreciate everybody supporting the podcast. If you're watching here on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. Please hit that like button. It helps grow the show. Uh, send the link to your friends. We really, really appreciate it. Regardless of what's going on with this football team this season, we will continue to be here to bring it to you, including after whatever happens Sunday. Post game show, we'll let you know uh, the exact time. Uh, probably later in the evening, though, with the uh, 325 game. So we'll keep you posted on that. In the meantime, we'll have you covered on CHGO as well. Today at noon, later on uh, Friday, and then, of course, pre- and post-game on Sunday. So a lot of coverage coming your way. Appreciate you guys all being here, and we'll talk to you Sunday. See ya. Anyway, uh, who cares? <laughs>